Welcome to Tax Strategy Digest, where we explore the fascinating world of finance. Join us as we dive into the stories, insights, and experiences of experts, thought leaders, and everyday people who are making a difference in this field. Through engaging conversations and thought-provoking discussions, we'll take a deep dive into the latest research, trends, and innovations shaping finance. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn something new on this exciting journey with us. Today, our guest is Mark Kuhn, who has over 15 years in the construction management business and is the founder of Mac Construction and Mac Capital. Mark, great to have you, man. I'm really excited for this conversation today. Hey, man, I appreciate you for having me on. This is uh, this is a great opportunity, Paul. And uh, no, I'm excited to, to share journey with you guys and, and hopefully uh, provide a few nuggets at least for you. Well, yeah, Mark, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm a little uh, unconventional, I like to say. Uh, unfollow the herd is kind of my path. Uh, and it's just because I I grew up in a, you know, growing up, I was, we like grew up in a trailer park, which, um, you know, we just sat, we were in the lowest class of people. Follow, so we, we never had a lot of money. I could never buy anything. You know, we went rummage sailing a lot and that's how I got things. And, and, uh, and just growing up that way, you you kind of figure out I, for some some reason I had something in me that I wanted to have more of a life, like you know, like all of us, right? Like we want something more. Uh, the problem is my family was very content with what they had, and so you know, money won't buy you happiness is what I was growing up with. That was the the mental you know state of my mindset, and so with having that said, you know, you you they want to hold you back just because they love you. Um, but they, your mindset's telling you, you know what, I, I do want to make money one day and I do, you know, want a lot out of life. So when you start thinking about changing your mindset from your family, that's your biggest fear, you know, that was my biggest fear. It's like, I don't want them. Um, I don't want them to shun me or, you know, that's the closest people to you. You want everything's for family. So um, you know, when I started to, I started helping dad at the age of six in construction, my parents were separated. So every summer I'd go stay with my dad and I would help him pour concrete and help him build his construction company. And, uh, he, we, we did mainly concrete work and we did some general contracting, which would be, um, building a few houses and garages and, and siding and shingles. We did it all. It was like uh, mainly concrete work, but you'd always get us into something weird. Um, so I learned a lot of skills that way, which are valuable in my story and my journey. But, um, and basically, you know, dad started me off at a dollar an hour. So I do remember like my very first paycheck and like how ecstatic I was because this was the first time that I've ever had money. I, I remember getting a check for 52 bucks. I don't know. He didn't pay me overtime, which now I realized was a bad deal, but I did work 52 hours, uh, and had a check for 52 bucks. So this is back in 1994. So it's probably like three hundred dollars today, right? Yeah. Um, and as a six-year, as a six-year-old kid, you're, <laughs> man, you're just you're living the high life of just like, I got money now, I can go spend it. And so I did spend it on just dumb stuff, you know, like every other kid. But I, you know, I probably made three, four grand. I don't know what exactly I made that summer, but I made quite a bit. And anyway, it just kind of every every year I came back, he gave me another dollar an hour. So it was two dollars an hour, three dollars an hour, whatever. And uh, I ended up being his right hand man um, in his company. So at age 12, he relied on me a lot. We uh, 
I would, you know, if there was a concrete pour, he's expected, he knows what he can expect from me, but he was also very like, you would think as the owner's son, like you get the easy street. Like <laughs> I see that happen a lot today, but like in my journey, like my dad crushed me every day and you literally, the expectations were through the moon with him. Cause he's like, you're here every day. You need to know what you're doing. And, and if you're not doing something, he, he was bad at giving direction <laughs> and systems. Uh, you know, there was no systems. You just work next to someone, you start figuring them out over time. So he, he was just absolutely was really hard on me. Um, but I did learn a few things through that in my journey, just as a kid. And I think it shapes who I am today. It's just like, I don't expect anything. I don't expect anyone to take, give me a privilege. Um, my dad was very hard on me. He, he kind of shaped me who I am today. So I am grateful for him and I get along with him well, but as you go into, as I went into like college and that, um, you know, we started butting heads a little more cause I was figuring out some things, you know, and I think he wanted to like shelter me from the business life. Cause he's like, go to college. You know what? You don't want to be pouring concrete the rest of the life. And I'm like, yeah, methodically. Yeah. So we go to college. That's what everyone else is doing. Uh, let's just take that path because apparently when you leave college, you're super successful and you, you know, have the easy street, uh, which is not true, but that's what my, that's what my parents were telling me. So, um, here I went to college and, and I, I don't think I learned much in college. You know, you learn how to drink your first beer and you learn how to, uh, you know, I, I, I did learn a few skills, but like my best skill I learned from college, like this is what I take my $60,000 and shape it into is like 101 on like Microsoft Office, Word, yeah. <laughs> for, you know, whatever, all the, the Excel, like you, you learn all the platforms. I like, that's the skill I use today. I didn't take anything from calculus. I didn't take anything from my business, really. I didn't learn much. Um, and I just wasn't interested in some of the stuff it was telling me. So anyway. Uh, my college career was kind of a waste. Uh, I'm still 12 credits short of a degree today, um, which, you know what, I'm not going back at this point, but um, I made it all the way through college. And then dad and I were still working together. We butt heads really hard. And you know what, man, that, it, and so then that was like my turning point. Like I, I left him, I went to go get another job. Like I abandoned the one thing I had consistently as of the money, you know, and he took care of me and, and, uh, I could work for him anytime and make money. I could, he would never give me money. It was always like, here, you can work and make money, but I'm not, I'm not giving you any money. I'm sorry. I think for one of my birthdays, he co-signed a loan for me. So, I mean, you know, where my dad's at with like helping anybody. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I made it to, and then I, I worked for a year at a W2 and you just start realizing some of that. It's like, I don't really like being told what to do. And I, you know, I want to innovate the process. And then they're like, no, let's hold him back. And then, you know, my mindset just got really weird. I'm like, God, I could be doing more. So then I started doing side hustle construction work because I love that. Well, it didn't take long. I, I, I closed on a house with my W-2 I had, which was a good W-2 job while I was going to college. And we closed on our first house. It was during the 08 recession. And they gave you like an $8,000 check. And then my new fiance that I met, she had like a $6,000 car paid for or her parents paid, paid for. Well, I always sold that and leased a car. <laughs> so we got, we had a check for six grand to close in the house. 
And then, yeah, like, I don't know, you, you're a tax guy. I don't remember, but you got like a check either, I don't know, a few weeks or a few months later or something. I don't remember. Yeah, and it was like a first seller credits or something like that from the, from the owner. Yeah. Something along the line. Yeah. You got like, uh, yeah, Obama was sending checks out for, you know, first home buyers. Cause of course the economy was just dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we were in North Dakota, so it was doing okay here. North Dakota's kind of sheltered because we had the oil boom, of course. And then, but yeah, we did buy this house and, you know, we had almost 14 grand more to our name than we've ever had ever. Right. Wow. Like you live, I think there's what, 68% of people living paycheck to paycheck today. Um, and it's going up, you know, so you can see the economy is really tightening just with the interest rates, you know? Um, but yeah, and that, and that recession, it's like, okay, so I worked, um, up until about Oh nine, I literally closed on this house. I think it must've been Oh nine is about when we closed on the house. And <clears throat> that's when I was like, baby, I'm quitting my job. Like I'm done. I, I left. And, uh, it was a mutual agreement. I think I might've got fired and, or we were, we were going, me and my, my boss at that time, we were yeah. going heads up against each other. So it was like, we both kind of mutually split ways. And, um, you know, I had a lot of fear, you know, it's like, Oh God, we closed in this house. I do have a lot of money in my bank account more than I've ever had, but I need to figure out how to pay the mortgage and then like figure out like the fiance, like <laughs> show her that like, Hey, I didn't sell your car just to quit my job. And like, there was a <laughs> lot of debatable stuff there. Um, you know, but I made a decision that was like, Hey, I think I can, I can make money doing construction work. I know for sure. Um, at that point I went away from dad the previous year. So it was very difficult to, I couldn't go back to him. Right. Like I'm too stubborn for that. Like I, I and he's too stubborn to let me back in. So it's like, yeah. you're on your own. All right. So, and then I started Mac construction. So in 2010, that's, that was kind of my outline and, and <clears throat> it was a, I didn't know anything. I have 12 credits short of a degree in business, knew nothing about business. So this is going to tell you what you're learning in college or what your kids are learning in college, doing a business degree. I knew absolutely nothing. I didn't know how to do my books. I didn't know how to write an estimate. I didn't know how to freaking track the cost of a pickup. You know, I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about starting, but I didn't know there was an LLC. I didn't know what an operating agreement was. I didn't know, like, there's a handful of things that you should know leaving college. And uh, either I wasn't paying attention or they, I don't think they ever taught us anything about going out on your own. Um, so that was a journey, man. Like you, you have to realize that you need to educate yourself in. I, I wish now I knew what I knew now back then, but I would be a lot further today, but I was just figuring this stuff out. I wasn't asking anyone for help either though. So I wasn't helping myself. And this went on, you know, so my first like five years of construction, I'm just like doing more work to make more money, doing more work to make more money. Well, I realized I've been pouring concrete since I was six, like my knees, my back, like, like I knew I was only like 25, 26, but like my body was getting like tired. Yeah. And by doing that, it's like, yeah, okay. Well, then, then I was like at a mindset of like, wow, like this business is totally reliant just on me. Like if I go down, like the family, you know, then I had a kid and I was like, oh man. So now I'm like trying to figure out how do I make this business not rely on me or how do I find another way to produce revenue, you know, 
and I think I started talking or looking up. I don't know. I was talking by my phone somehow, and I must have said the word real estate or something. Grant Cardone pops up on my phone. You know, <laughs> of course he does. Yeah, he's like, I you gotta do. You got. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. The guy's a maniac, right? Like, I'm <laughs> like, all right. He's like, you, you got to be doing what the super wealthy are doing. I'm like, yeah, what, is, what are they doing? You know, it's yeah. like, I I thought that's what I was doing. I was starting a business and working really hard. And uh, the problem is that's all I was doing is working really hard and, and not really, I wasn't keeping any money. I wasn't keeping any money in my name. So that I had a really big impact on me in 2016 and 2017 on just like, I was in, I was in a tough spot. I had like anxiety. I was tr going treated to the doctor. I had night sweats. I mean, I wasn't sleeping. I I was drinking more often and wasn't taking care of myself. I just like I was in a lost space and it was just like it was actually really scary. Um anxiety is a big thing and so I had to figure out a way to combat that and that's when I started getting curious about what I should be doing instead of just doing what I knew. You know, it's not it's not what you know, it's who you know, and 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 you have to be curious on how to know something. So I I, I turned into the most curious person on earth, which I think is when things turned around, right? I figured out that the super wealthy take care of themselves, not only, you know, financially, but physically. They're drinking water, they're doing these things, they're posting online about what they're doing. I was like, ah, that's rah-rah, you know, like yeah. before I just like, you know, who, who's doing that, you know? And it's like, uh, but then I realized the more you search into these people, it's like, yeah, you start finding common themes. It's like, man, I'm just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Probably my five closest friends. I'm just another little branch of them. And, and it's sad to say that, but like that, that was the honest truth. My five closest friends were all concrete laborer guys, you know, <laughs> it's like, you're going to be who they are. And, and so yeah, I started changing my ways and then I started getting curious into real estate. Um, and I know, I know you do quite a bit in real estate today. And, uh, you know, we fast forward a little more through from, from that very pinnacle point all the way to the end, you know, we're doing about 25 million a year now in construction. Wow. And, you know, I have a couple hundred real estate units and I have, some, I have a couple hundred thousand square feet of storage space that we use called luxury storage. Um, I turned from, yeah, into a money making mindset into a money keeping mindset. And, and, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I learned a lot through that process. Nice. And I want to so. get, um, back into here very shortly. I want to get into Mac capital, but I noticed on your LinkedIn and we'll probably also touch on LinkedIn a little bit as well, but I noticed on LinkedIn, you talk, uh, quite a bit about some deals that you've done over. Uh, maybe the last few years, and they've been separate deals, but you've done them with no money down. Um, would you yeah. mind walking through some of those? Because a lot of people, at least today, in, like you were saying, interest rates are way higher. Uh, the market is a little bit in turmoil, not as much as 2008, um, but it's definitely yeah. in turmoil, regardless of what anyone's going to tell you. So what, yeah. what are some of those tactics you're using? I mean, how are you even coming out of it with no money down? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll start back with 08. I didn't even realize this in 08, 09 when I was buying that first house. I I, I didn't have much money. I told you that. Like, I, I just didn't have much capital. Um, but it wasn't going to hold me back from buying a house because I thought that's what everybody did, right? Like, I probably would have done everything a little different today. 
Um, but it was like, I had the new fiance and Hey, we got some equity in the car. Uh, we could go get a cheap lease because these, they're trying to give away these cars on a lease. And it was like 0% interest. So, um, but I was creatively financing basically that house. I asked for most of the down payment coverage from the seller. I kind of gave him price in order to bring less cash in the deal. Um, and then I had a bunch of cash in my pocket. So I literally bought a house and had the most money I ever had. So that would be like my first creative finance deal. And I, and, and obviously I have a passion for doing deals. Um, but I didn't know it at that point. I was just like, ah, oh, that was fun. I thought you did that once in your life. And then it's, and then you just wait 30 years until the mortgage ends. Yeah. But uh, then, you know, then when I came curious in 2017 with like trying to become, trying to keep more money, you know, and then I realized that, man, I started figuring out small wins, doing creative financing, using not a lot of money because I didn't have a lot of money. But then I had my capital. I was like, I need to teach other people how to do this. So in 2020, that's when we did Mac capital and, and just really trying to educate others now is like my passion. Like you can do a couple deals and it can literally change the whole landscape of your legacy or your life and, and what you're going to leave for your kids. So it's very impactful for me. Um, and then, yeah, going up into deals I'm doing today that I share every day on LinkedIn, I, I literally have the most transparent email called unfollow the herd email that's attached to my LinkedIn. I literally will break down the deal exactly how I did it exactly how I negotiated it um, and and what it looked like even on closing statements. So I, I'm just trying to like transparently show people that it's not as difficult as you would think. Um, but I'm getting deals done uh, right now. Like everyone could sit on the sidelines and say, hey, let's wait till things get better. I'm going to wait to buy a house. I'm going to wait to do this. It's like, okay, you're 22. I said, if I was you, if I'm me and I'm 22 years old, here's what I would do. And I tell them, it's like, you're in a house hack, right? Like, or, but I said, don't buy a house, offer the seller what he's asking, because that's the way he's going to win, right? He needs price. Yeah. And he may not always get the full price, but he might get a majority of it because that's what he needs to probably retire. There's 10,000 baby boomers retiring. Just yeah. think about where we're at in the economy. And, and at the age group, the baby boomers are going out. So we need to creatively get them the money in order for us to win, we can't get all the financing, right? We don't have all the cash. We're willing to take on the risk, but we don't have all the cash. So you just need to solve for these baby boomers. This is like literally the strategy I go in. It's like, how can I make them win? They need price. All right. You get price. Of course, you're not going to get price and terms here. No, 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 no. I get some terms, right? Like whether it's seller finance, uh, maybe you do a 40-year mortgage and they just get 10 grand for until that thing's paid off a year. You know what I mean? Whatever yeah. the outcome is. Um, and a lot of our deals, like people always say, like you can go into a seller finance deal. This is like the, the most common way you get it. Say you buy a million dollar apartment or something, uh, a 12 plex or 18 plex, whatever it is. Yeah. And okay, you're going to need probably, your bank will maybe give you 700 grand-ish. You're probably going to have to come up with 300. That can take an eternity for for anybody, right? Like, and, and people think the mindset, like I got to have all that cash in my bank plus a little, right? Like I don't want to go broke and then I'll buy that deal. That could take your whole lifetime. Yeah. But what happens if that guy, maybe, maybe it's only worth eight fifty, and he knows the seller might know this, but you offer him the million. You're like, man, I'll give you the million. 
I'm only going to get 700 from the bank because the appraisal or, you know, 600, whatever the bank will give you. I'm going to be short X amount. Okay. Now that's where we have to creatively solve, right? Like I want to buy your deal. I can buy your deal. I can get financing for it. You got to qualify. But how can we finish this gap off? Can I give you a principal only for five years? And can we balloon at year five if I have the funds? Can I pay you for the next 10 years X amount and you seller finance maybe 50% of it? You know, and I'll give you a guaranteed check. It's off the cash flow. You're paid first. You're right after the debt. You're paid before I am. And uh, you, you just got to keep thinking and keep grinding through these ways. There's so many creative finance methods out there. Um, I don't know that we're going to share them all here, but it's like, that is my mindset. Like you're solving the equity portion, the, the debt you can, you, you could figure out what you can get through appraisal, solve the debt. And if, if that seller is not willing, he just, no, I need a cash buyer and I need the price. It's not the deal. Walk from it. Don't, yeah, you can waste, I've done it. You can waste years, honestly, on a deal. And they're like, no, I need the price and I need cash. And that's the only way I'm selling. Okay, well, then you're going to hold on to it. And if the economy gets worse, then you're going to come back to me. They'll come back to you, I promise you. Yeah. But just solve the equity portion through some kind of creative method. Um, assume the loan, you know, figure out all these different ways. Maybe they have a mortgage that's a lot cheaper than you're going to get debt today. Uh, so subject to, if you're buying single family homes, you can take over the mortgages. There's a lot of two to 4% mortgages out there. Yeah that can make you win and you're just buying the risk. And I, I honestly think we are moving into a housing boom. That's why I love, I love multifamily class B, uh, C and B is what I invest in. And then I love storage. I invest in luxury storage that is a larger storage unit, basically with a couple lights and outlet um, has a 12 by 14 overhead hood door. We're in the Midwest, specifically North Dakota. So we're heated. Uh, if you were to put these in Vegas or Arizona, you'd be heated and cooled. Uh, Texas heated and cooled, you know, it just depends on the market. But, uh, you, you know, think about it. Housing's just gotten, housing has just gotten more and more dense, right? Like these lots, these million dollar homes, they, you basically can reach out and touch each one. Uh -huh. And it's like, that's a million bucks for a three stall garage and a five bed home. You know, it's like, unbelievable so these people have nowhere to store anything or they can't keep anything so we kind of fill that gap putting our luxury storage by like uh nicer housing communities that are still pretty dense hoas you know they they won't let you park so um we're basically just short of a contractor shop nice it's know. it's cool that you mentioned that you negotiate for um certain things right you're solving problems and that's how you're getting these deals done. I know um, my background is in um, mortgages. I was a mortgage loan officer for a while. And so okay. oftentimes um, people would call me and they'd say, hey, you know, the, the seller just won't budge. And I'd say, oh, well, did you ask them if they could do X, Y, and Z? And it was something mm -hmm. as, as simple as, you know, hey, you're getting a VA loan. You can get up to 4% in seller credits. You know, have you yeah. asked them about the, the, you know, the carpets that you want to redo? I mean, that could cost $20,000, right? And you can get that in a seller credit. So, you know, there's, there's different ways around and they're like, well, my real estate agent said it's not getting done. And I go, okay, well, have your agent call me. And so I would coach their agents and I'd say, Hey, look, you need to make this deal work for them. You can do yeah. you know, X, Y, or Z, and it'll get 
the goal accomplished. It's going to work out for the seller. It'll work out for your buyer. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. And so it's those little things where um, I think it's just solving problems exactly like you were saying. You're solving the seller's problem where you're giving them what they need because realistically, they have to go buy another house or they're going to retire yeah. and they need to live on that money. So they have a certain right. price that, that needs to be met. Um, so I think that's really cool. And I know it's a little bit of a tangent we got off of, but um, yeah. I do want to I do want to stray into LinkedIn a little bit more because um, that's actually yeah. obviously how I uh, how I met you. And um, I just love what you're doing on LinkedIn. So why don't we start really just with your LinkedIn bio, right? It's the first thing you see right when you get to your page and it's that you help nine to five professionals build passive wealth with real estate. So um, how do you do that? Yeah, man. So th that's where I created Mac Capital, right? Like my passion now, when when I discovered what I discovered from 2017 to 2020, I'm like, wow, you can do you can do these deals with zero cash and in any economy. It doesn't matter the economy. It just matters to solve the problem or the baby boomers that are retired. Those are the biggest problems we're solving right now. There's the biggest wealth transfer in the world, you know, in our nation happening. And uh, you have to take advantage of it and you're, you're, you're solving problems, but like, yeah. So LinkedIn, I, I add, you know, I, I, I really help push value. So I'm just giving away free value, trying to show you what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And Hey, if you don't, you know, let's just say you're high net worth earner, you're an attorney, you're a tax guy like yourself, you're, uh, uh, you know, whatever you do, you don't have enough time to do real estate. Yeah. I give you an opportunity to invest in real estate. It's just called syndication. Um, and and I I develop properties and stabilize them. And then I basically back fund some of my money out to go and do the next project so I can let other investors in. So I invest both on the GP and LP sides, which just would mean I'm the general partner. I manage the project. And then I'm, I also let limited investors in. Uh, limited passive investors. And I like to invest actually on both sides of both of my deals, uh, on any of my deals. But it allows the passive investor who doesn't need more to do in his life. Maybe he's a doctor making six, 700 grand a year. Hey, that's great. But he's like, I really don't want to deal with owning a property just to take the tax benefits. Because There'll be tax guys like you out there saying, hey, you should do some real estate. You should buy this. Well, it's a, it's a job. Real estate is anything but passive. I'd be the first one to tell you that. And I own a construction company and management and all that. So we, we allow those high net worth earners. And you don't even have to be a high net worth earner. You can be a guy making 50 grand a year. But if you have savings that's just sitting, investing in a bank that's paying you, yeah, you might be earning 5% this year. But how good would it be to invest in a project, not do anything, but be a passive investor and get reports sent to you and you can still get the tax benefits? Because that's what I love about syndication versus REITs, uh, you know, or other other ways to invest and, and even funds. You don't get the true tax benefits that you do in a syndication. Um, and I believe if you can trust a operator that is doing it himself every single day, we're doing the right things. We're providing you like the tracker and the cash flow that we're providing. Uh, if you like boring assets like I do that make money, class B and C multifamily and storage, I said, well, then you, you're you're, in a, you're a passive investor that should be on our team or with us. Um, and I not only, if, if that person wants to be a partner, 
I've viewed things that way too. I've built, you know, with deals with just partners. Um, but I allow the passive investor to just say, hey, here's a hundred grand and and I want to have the passive investments and the tax deductions and the appreciations and the cash flow and all the benefits that you would invest in real estate, but I don't need any of the headaches because I'm gonna be, like I said, I'm gonna reiterate. Real estate is not passive. It's not. It's the furthest thing from it. You can have a property manager, the best property manager. I don't care. He still needs managing and he does not care about your property as much as you do. So I I just like to reiterate that. But yeah, uh, so now I, I'm just passionate to help other. It could be high net worth earners. It could be the $50,000 a year guy. I'm passionate to help them all. Like that's that's where I was and that's where I started. Um and, uh, you know, I just figured things out slowly and surely. And, and now, you know, we're, we're six years into this and, and now I, I can help people. It's just more satisfying for me, even doing a, a syndication and I don't do a ton of them. I don't invest a, 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 raise a ton of money, but you know, we're building up to that because now there's more and more people within my network. It's like, Hey, what's the next deal? What is it? So yeah. then it's creating pressure back on me. It's like, oh, well, I'm not <laughs> taking bad deals, but I'll get you in a good deal. Right? Like, yeah. So just be patient. And when the deal hits, put money in if you want to be in it or don't, you know? So I, I, I do like it. it. It fulfills me a little bit and, and I get to provide a lot of value to others um, just through education on LinkedIn or helping them invest passively, which I don't know if you do some of that, Paul, I, I guess I'm, I wasn't sure on your investment career. I, uh, I haven't done any passive investing in the real estate, but after this, uh, Call. We'll, we'll have to talk a little bit. Let's uh, do it. I, Let's do I, it. Yeah. I did want to. I did want to ask you for people who might be watching and they're probably wondering, hey, what, um, what's either the minimum or maximum that they could invest with you if they wanted to come in passively? Um, what would that look like? Yeah. So right now, uh, we have one investment that's you know fifty grand minimum is typically what we do. We sometimes get down to twenty five. It just depends on the raise on how much you're trying to raise and how many investors you want to get into it. We typically start a deal 506B, um, which would mean you don't need to be an accredited, meaning uh, you don't have to make two to $300,000 a year and you don't have to have the million dollars of net worth. Um, but we we love to turn our unaccredited investors, which would be your just conventional, your, your 95% of people or 99, and turning them into sophisticated investors so the next time, maybe they go do their own deal and they learn something with us and they want to go do it themselves, or maybe they want to invest in our next deal. Um, and then our accredited, um, you know, they, they come in, but typically a $50,000 minimum is where we've, where we've sat on most of our projects. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and for LinkedIn, what, what is some of the stuff you're doing? I mean, um, let's kind of dive into it. I was telling you actually yeah. started. Uh, you're one of the creators on LinkedIn that I think has just flourished. I mean, I, I follow a lot of people. Um, some of your content is the most exciting to me. Every time I read it, I'm actually engaged. Um, so yep. what, how have you stayed so relevant in that? Um, how do you, you think of good ideas, good content to post? I mean, is it what you're doing every day? How, what's that process like? Yeah, well, you know, so owning a construction company is a journey. We have about 45 employees today. And, uh, you know, we're doing about 25 million in revenue. And, you know, we, we're scaling. So there's scaling. It's 
it's not all good news. You know what I mean? I know LinkedIn, you can only, a lot of times you see the good news, there's bad news. Uh, and I like to document that in our email. Uh, and and it's a, there's challenges, right? Like I'm just documenting my journey, you know, to try to own a couple million square feet in uh, luxury storage and trying to own a thousand units in multifamily. That's, I'm, I'm documenting my path and journey. Uh, now, any of us would see our journey pretty boring. Um, I try to take a handful of pictures and stories. Um, and then I realize you should all sit down after a week and reflect a little bit and try to like write out like, hey, what did I get done this week? Because I feel like I did nothing. I didn't get a deal closed. I didn't whatever. Um, you know, but this happened. Hey, I did employee reviews or I did, uh, you know, I did do this real estate deal or I can help them on the journey that I've had in my past. And I can share a story about that. Um, and it helps inspire and and that's the engagement, but then, and, and then I kind of work it back and forth, um, meaning a story from my past. And then I try to bring it to what I'm doing today, try to stay relevant. Um, but yeah, coming up with ideas, it's, I've figured out that social media, I do podcasts like this, this, you know, and I do different, uh, I'm doing 10, five reels a day, you know? So I'm, I, I'm constant, I call them ads or reels, but yeah. you know, Ryan Pineda is one of my, my mentor right now and coaches me up on social media as well. And, you know, he's really helped me come a long way on delivering mini ads is basically what a reel is. And I just try to keep providing more and more value. So I, I think when you run about ideas, you know, you can use chat GPT, you can use all these tools now we have, right? And uh, on LinkedIn, I think the engagement is you have to start thinking opposite, like, hey, what didn't, what, what's your situation right now? What's not working, right? Write right. down all the things that aren't working right now and try to flip the script. So some of mine, I'll say, hey, this didn't work, this doesn't work, this didn't work. But if you have success, you do this, you do that, you know what I mean? It's just a you want to, you want to create, uh, you want to hit people's emotions. You know, it's like, they're stuck. A lot of people feel stuck all the freaking right. time. Um, and it's the same with content. When you start producing, like we're doing 128 pieces of content a freaking week delivering, you know, seven on LinkedIn, three on Twitter per day. It's like, you, you got to have the right team too, that can help you gain those ideas. Cause like, I'll just get stuck and I'll, I, I have a couple of teammates on my social media team and they'll just like, Mark, that was crazy. You know, it's like, talk about this. Um, so you, you, you do have to have a team. Uh, you can use your buddies on Upwork and Fiverr, uh, find guys that can, you know, use your social media and help create ideas. Uh, but yeah, you know, you gotta, so it's a lot of writing and a lot of thinking is what you end up doing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Trying to stay relevant and engaging is the difficult part, right? Like yeah. it's the same in YouTube videos. Like, like I said, I've been doing this game for six months and I've grown to, I think I had 2000 people on my LinkedIn when I started and geez, I'd have to look if it was, it might've been like 2012 or 11 or something. I got on LinkedIn and, uh, and in 2022 in November, I decided to hit the game. So that'd be seven months now, but they're just about seven months. And you know, we've grown to, I don't know what we're at 15,000 or something like that wow. today. So, you know, it's, it's working my journey, even though my, I thought my journey was boring, to be honest, <laughs> but it seems like people, people enjoy it and they like yeah. the transparency and 
you know, they, a lot of them turn into investors too, because I think they start trusting, you know, the grit that I have and, and the passion I have for what I do. No, I love it. I mean, that's honestly, that's the the complete reason I reached out. I really enjoyed your, um, your post. I, I just felt like it was someone that was genuine. I could get along with. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out. I think it'd be a, a really fun conversation. I'm, I'm so glad I did. Um, yeah. And I do also want to talk a little bit before, um, before I forget about it. I want to talk about the, the market itself, right? The, the market is so wishy-washy right now. And I, we touched a little bit based on it, right? You mentioned 2008, 2009. Um, and that was kind of when you started really getting into things. How do you think that mm -hmm. maybe some of that experience has gotten you to get into the right deals now, right? I mean, how are you able to sort of determine the, the risk and return factor um, on these, these newer properties that you're getting into, new projects you're getting into, et cetera? Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta think I'm in construction, right? So we're developing probably half of the properties and we're, okay. and we're finding the other half of the deals. So, uh, I don't think, you know, in a recession, you just got to figure out, okay. <laughs> Grant Cardone says this. I can't even say it. I can't, even, but everywhere, every, everyone needs a place to live, you know, and he invests typically in class A apartments. Why does he invest in class A apartments? Well, he understands that they're not going to be able to afford a home so they're going to buy a nice, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to have a nice apartment. Yeah. Uh, it's lots of amenities and whatever. So, um, and you got to understand that, um, you know, I'm in B and C, uh, multifamily, but you got to understand too. It's like in the storage game, it's like everyone's downsizing. So they need a place to store their stuff thing. The housing, no matter if you're in the one to 2 million, the housing is getting more dense. You can't have outbuildings and you can't have this yeah. and HOAs. Um, but investing in like recessions, you just cannot sit on the sidelines. Like everyone tells me like, oh, I'm just going to wait till the interest rates get lower. It's like, uh, it just kills me to hear that because that's where the opportunity lies. Do you think any good deals are going to, if the interest rates drop to 4%, do you think there's going to be any good deals tomorrow? No, no. we're going to have bidding war. We're already having, I, I just did a reel yesterday on right now we're at 7% interest rates, right? Uh, the housing should be coming down in value. It's not, it's hovering or going up. Yeah. And why is that? Well, the supply is so short, right? Everyone's got cheap mortgages. No one's willing to give up anything. No one, you know, so um, supply is all time low. People are not selling. They're not moving. They're not doing anything. Um, and so it's keeping things elevated. And I see housing in the future getting more crunched because there's developers like me, I can't get new deals to pencil at 7%. It's very challenging. Right. And, and so, um, but in these recessions, it kind of, it kind of strengthens you, right? Like in bad times, build strong people, uh, you know, and, 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 in, and in good times, you know, the strong people go pretty far, you go a lot further. So I, I'm a true believer in that. And so that's why we're continuing to develop you know, on the things that pencil, but we're getting a lot better at value engineering. We're getting better at adding value to our apartments, our existing apartments. And it is just not a freaking time to sit on the sidelines, like creatively finance it, figure out to solve that baby boomers problem. Cause that's probably who you're going to be dealing with. They may be stubborn and the, the property may need work and they may offer, you know what I mean? They may want too much money, but 
if the thing pencils, you know, that meaning you have an Excel spreadsheet or something you use to pencil this thing and you can solve that seller's issue and he can retire, I promise you, you will not regret it in three years, three to five years. I, I'm an investor mindset now. So I think everything in five years, instead of thinking about trying to buy a bunch of trucks, like when I was a concrete guy, Yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I just got to go out and get three new vehicles today. It's like, I don't even need any trucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. that's, but in 2015 and, you know, before I really understood the game, it, that's just where I was at. Unfortunately, that's just how I thought. It's like, oh, I got to upgrade my desk and I should go buy a bunch of crap. And it's like, now today, it's like, I even, I'll probably live more poor today just because I keep a certain amount of cash on my side. I literally pound every other dollar in investment because I know right now that this is the time, this is the best investment time, especially for real estate. The next six to 12 months, you got everyone that listens to this should be figuring out how to do their first deal, which I do have a course coming on. So okay, I, I'm going to launch that in a couple of weeks. So hopefully... Hopefully you can help me promote that. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah. Be on the lookout. I, if, you, yeah. if you're watching this, be on the lookout. I will be reposting that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm, I, I just get asked the same questions and I just answered them all in that in that course. Cool. Uh, it comes with some spreadsheets. It comes how to do the deals. It comes with everything. So it's like, it's a good intro if you don't know much about real estate. Um, I will be creating some new courses too in development uh, just because I always get asked on that too. Why, how do you develop? You know, I, I understand as a construction guy, but development is a very lucrative way to build money and wealth. And you don't need to be real skilled in construction to do it. So nice. okay. I, I, yeah. And for, um, this is something I was wondering is, so for Mac capital, right? You guys are doing the investments. You're finding these good deals now is Mac construction. The one who's kind of helping out do investors get the best of both worlds for um, let's say value adds, uh, you guys are adding on, you know, X, Y, and Z to this property to build yep. value. Um, do they kind of get the best of both worlds in that investment? Right. Yeah. Yep. So it just depends if we, what the investors are, if we have, if we can raise money and the, and the thing stabilize the way it sits and it's, and it just depends how big the value add is. Like we just did a value add where we literally had to boot every tenant. So it's 36 units. Um, and I don't know a lot of investors that want to take that kind of risk on, but we're almost yeah. done with the reno. We're stabilizing. So this was, you know, um, this was a deal that took a little more risk, but the outcome after a year of owning this property, will be uh, insane. So I just don't know, like a property like that, what we call probably a big value add. We probably have the investors coming in the back end when it's stabilized and they're, you know, right. we, they'll still have an equity, uh, a good equity position in there and and meaning a delta on their equity so i because i think i think stabilized we're like two and a half million valuation and it's two eight two point eight million um in about a year after the performance sets in wow. so um we'll give the investors that but uh on a small value add yeah we'll let them in right at the beginning that's obviously how we'll take down the deal and then try to add some value during the play um would be a more simple deal what are, what are some of the things you guys are doing to add value? Um, like, is it, is it small things? Is it like, Hey, tearing down the inside, re redoing it, or is it something larger? I mean, are you adding maybe storage units like on the land to the left of the property? You know, what does that kind of entail? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the adding value is an interesting piece because you got, you know, when we turn a unit, we'll just call it a full turn. So, you know, usually if you buy a seventies or eighties property, 
you can sometimes get original units. Like I've seen shag carpet, but if the Delta of you fully turning the unit, which is probably going to cost you 10 to 20,000, depending upon where you live, you know, you just got to figure out, can I crank the rents a hundred to 200 bucks? And will it be a better stabilized property at the end of the day? So you have to make those when it comes down to just turns and like common ways, the hallways, lights, carpeting, paint, whatever, uh, you know, that's a small value add play, but you can add tremendous rent value to it. But I always try to pay attention. Like, like I have to drive up to something and be like proud that I own it too, a little bit. And maybe I shouldn't do that, but I know that any property where I went to and I put a little more money into the landscaping, a little more money into the paint, the roof, whatever it is, you know, I make sure the outside looks really nice. Yeah. Um, and then, cause sometimes the units are full, I can't do anything there, but even if I, like I said, I always go out and look at the landscaping. There's always a play there. Maybe you can add a picnic area, a small dog park. These aren't expensive things, but tenants love them, right? Like they, it, they will stay there longer just because it has these features. Um, so those are some of the plays, of course, you know, we try to get laundry and units and, and, you know, do if you had a common space, try to do like a coffee bar. People love that. Some of these smaller buildings, you're not capable. You, you can't do that. You can't really create any new value. So, uh, you know what I, it, when it comes down to class C, all you can do, you know, is really, you know, look at the outside of it. Would you live, you know, not, would you live there? But I mean, like you got to make it appealing. And, and, and I felt like that's helped our rents and helps our, any property we've done that on that freaking blows it out of the water. Anyone that we've left and it's like mid nineties or something. And it's like, ah, it just needs help. It's like, you know, you, you can't always, you can't always do redo everything just cause you want to, but it does help. And people do like things nice. Uh, so uh, we we've also done with like our laundry. We've, we've done with the credit card. There's a lot of theft going on with the, like the change machines. Okay. Yeah. So we've actually converted to the credit card machines, which is kind of nice. There's a QR code on the washer and dryers. If the tenant has a problem, it's a third party company then that takes care of the washers and dryers. Um, so it mitigates some management. And then I think you also actually make or keep a little more money because you're dealing with theft, especially in a recession. People yeah. are, you know, people are just willing to steal a little quicker than, than usual. So, you know, that, those are, those are some of the ways unlike class C properties. Um, but we always look to add value anywhere we can. Uh, that's cost effective. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, Mark, um, as we start to wrap up here, I ask every single one of my guests Yeah. and you've actually mentioned it a little bit, but um, what's your, why, why do you do what you do? I think, yeah, my, my passion is to have people unfollow the herd. And so what I mean by that is I, I want them to take their own path. Everyone sometimes, you know, a lot of people are told to, to follow the path of least resistant or follow the norm, go to, you know, go to college, get a job, climb the ladder. Um, and then even how you can do that, right? Like that is completely fine. Uh, doctors have to do that. There's lots of careers. You have to do that. But it's like, okay, then find a new path with investing. I'm telling you that your 401k is not going to just be the end all be all. A retire, that is not, the, it wasn't even specifically planned for retirement. And you will probably not have enough money when you retire. So don't get caught up in that trap. That was a big deal to your parents. It's not the way, it's not, we're not going to make it the norm of this decade. So my passion is to help people 
unfollow the herd in investing and unfollow the common path of being an entrepreneur and, and, and creating their own way of life. Perfect. Well, I'm going to put uh, down below, I'm going to put your LinkedIn profile so people can reach out there. Oh. They can see your newsletter and follow the herd so they yep. can sign up for that. Is there any other places they should uh, reach out to you or uh, check out your stuff on? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So if you can go and follow me on YouTube, now support my cool. channel. I actually document, video document and walk through these properties and show you exactly what you need to do. Um, and I also have some other fun content on there, uh, mainly educational. Uh, but yeah, follow me on YouTube, on Instagram, TikTok. Um, you pretty much find me anywhere. Facebook, I guess, too, is, as well. But uh, uh, I'm just trying to start to uh, nibble my way into Twitter. So okay. that's kind of a new venture for me. And it's a little different than LinkedIn, Paul. So I, okay. uh, I, uh, I got to figure that one out yet, but we're, we're, we're starting to dabble over there. I love it. Well, I will go ahead. I'll include all of those down below for you. I'll also include them in the newsletter. And, um, I really appreciate your time. I'm yeah. really looking forward to, uh, sharing this with, uh, our audience and uh, yeah. just, just, uh, establishing, you know, more relationships with more people for you and, and really just continuing Mac capital, growing it. And, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, share this again. So yeah, thanks so Paul, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate you. Yep. Of course. It's awesome. Course. All right. Stay in touch. Bye.